We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Spice up your holiday season with a spiked hot cocoa. A rye bourbon should do the trick. Looking for wine with a reindeer-inspired name for your gift exchange? You've come to the right place. Impress your guests with one of our California Cabernets. We'll help you choose one that's lush and fruit-forward. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you. This holiday, now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price nine ninety nine ninety nine. 0% APR while supplies last. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, unmissable opinions brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe to the show. You can also find us on social media at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 on Twitter. And of course, that means I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances Tomas. And we have a special announcement upcoming on April the 15th. We're having our Patreon show. So you can go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash the Barcelona Podcast. And you can find our Patreon page. You can sign up for as low as $3. And with those $3, you can join and hook up with us and speak to us on the Patreon show on April the 15th. But, Frances, we do have a show today to do already. That is show number 77. It really is. And la gran pregunta today is, how should Barca feel about Real Madrid giving up on La Liga? This all is a result of the, I would say, very unfortunate words by Zinedine Zidane basically refusing to do El Pasillo, which is the card of honor, in the event that when they get to the Camp Nou, Barca are already champions. And yeah, we're going to discuss that and how we feel about it. Then after that, we welcome back Eugenia Caroli that has been traveling around Europe. I'm sure she'll tell us all about it. And she will join us for La Ronda de Preguntas. The Barcelona Podcast 77 starts right here. 
And we start, I guess, we'll start with the El Paisio and or the Guard of Honor, if you will. And it comes from even a listener question. Jose asked, what are your thoughts on Madrid not honoring us when we are champions of the Liga in El Clasico? So before we get to Real Madrid conceding the league or not necessarily giving up on the Liga, but saying that Barcelona have won the league, but then refusing to do the Guard of Honor, Let's break this down in three parts, Frances. I think it's a what is the Guard of Honor for those who aren't really truly aware. And two would be why is Zidane not choosing to do it and not willing to do it for Barcelona? And then three is with Barcelona's unbeaten streak, what has that done to the rest of La Liga and to Real Madrid's scope on the league? So to start things off here, I want to go through the tradition of the El Pasillo or the Guard of Honor. And Pasillo, for those who are fluent in Spanish, means hallway. But in terms of La Liga, it just means Guard of Honor, which is where uh, the opposing team for the team that has wrapped up the or the, the salute of the champions that have wrapped up the cup, whether it's Copa del Rey or the La Liga title. So, for example, last season, Real Madrid had won the Copa del Rey, and then their very next opponent in the league, Valencia, formed an El Pasillo to greet them onto the field. So, the funny thing with Barcelona and Real Madrid, though, there are very few opportunities, obviously, for Pasillos because the title races are usually so, so close that they don't play each other after one of the teams has already wrapped it up because it usually does come down to either the second or the last match of the season in terms of figuring out which team is going to win the title race. So that means that there have been very few opportunities for this to occur, and I can even just rattle down real quick. 1988, Barcelona formed one for the Quinta del Buitre, which was that class of Real Madrid players, mainly Spanish players, that kind of had come up together. And so that was Barcelona in 1988. Then 1991, Barcelona's dream team receives one. Of course, that was the time of, of Johan Cruyff and Pep Guardiola's a player. Then in 2008, when Real Madrid had Wesley Snyder and Arjen Robben, after the Dutch era, if you will, of Barcelona, then Barcelona gave Real Madrid one just before a guy named Pep Guardiola showed up at Barcelona. And since that time, what leads us now to this conflict is Zidane basically saying that he didn't necessarily come out and say that because Barcelona did not give them one in the after they'd won the Club World Cup back in the wintertime, then he didn't want to return the favor. And at the time, Guillermo Amor, who, who was and still is the director of institutional relations at Barcelona, said that they didn't give them one because they weren't in the competition. And it comes down to how you feel about tradition, how important tradition is. So we have to figure out, you know, how much stock we even put in this. Of course, everything comes down to how much stock we put on tradition. You know, um, these are two football clubs. Of course, they play football. That's 11 against 11. There's a ball and you sort of kick it around. Is that all that football is? It really isn't. Barca and Madrid, particularly, and obviously it's a Barca podcast, so we're going to focus on Barca, it's more than a club. It's all the values. It's all the understanding of the game. It's the understanding of collaboration, togetherness. It's also between Barcelona and Madrid, there's a lot of political reasons, political issues, political problems that have been there throughout the decades, but also, and more current than ever today, because of the Catalan independence movement and the reaction from the Madrid central government towards towards that idea. All of this needs to be understood and needs to be taken into account when you talk about that, you know, as you sort of implied when you were talking, El Pasillo in itself doesn't really mean anything. It's just 11 guys clapping another 11 coming through just because they've done something important somewhere else. Now, were Barca right to not honor Madrid after they were champions of the world last season? 
I don't think they were. You know, I mean, the argument was from Guillermo Amor, and this is the other point. Was it just Guillermo Amor, or is Guillermo Amor the one saying it to the media with people behind them in terms of the players probably didn't want to do it, maybe the board didn't want to do it, but there's always one person who is El Cabecilla, who is the, the, the spokesperson who actually has to share the message saying, well, we didn't play that competition when actually, and you know, I'm, I'm as, as cool as anyone listening to this, but actually we sort of did play the Club World Cup because to qualify for that, you need to go through Champions League. And we didn't win the Champions League, Real Madrid did. So we sh- in a way, we could have been in the Club World Cup and we should have honoured them as champions. I think that was an unsporting thing to do. And I'm, I'm probably aware that this is not going to be a very popular opinion, but you know, this is a podcast and I need to voice what I actually feel. And I feel Barca were wrong not to do that. Fast forward to where we are today. Real Madrid are in the rights to not do it. And as Piquet said, he doesn't really care very much whether Madrid do their pasillo or not. But actually, it all comes down to Barca started, Real Madrid are following it, as if we were five-year-olds um, arguing over a, a ham sandwich in the playground. It's not something that an institution or two institutions actually of the caliber of the ones that we're mentioning here should ever be involved about. Um, it's all about being sporting. It is a tradition and in my eyes tradition should be respected and if there's a champion the tradition is to honor them and we should have honored them the same way they should honor us now. And this really is you know hypothetical where Barcelona now at this point leading by 11 points after the Madrid derby wound up being a draw and there's only seven games remaining, so Barcelona, with three wins and a draw, will wrap up La Liga for the 25th time and the ninth time in the last 14 seasons. Real Madrid, of course, have the all-time record with 33. And this only happens, though, if Barcelona have wrapped up the league by May 6th. And so really this comes down to the personnel that Valverde wants to use throughout the remainder of the season and how he's going to use his lineups and use the rest of certain players for the final of Copa del Rey, for the remainder of the Liga, the last seven matches, and potentially those three remaining Champions League games if Barcelona are able to defeat Roma. Well, I guess four total. So the game against Roma, which Barcelona should be heavy favorites to make it through, then the two semifinals, and then hopefully the final at the end of the season. And all that said, I think the focus of this and what's hidden in all of this is the unbeaten streak that, of course, the players continue to say they don't care about, And yet there are times when it seems like Valverde could have been resting a little more heavily than he did. But as we saw even against Leganes, that he's not going to do that, that he's going to continue to go with his best squad. That, as I I put on Twitter, if Messi is healthy, as we know, Messi will play. And that's kind of what's going to happen. And behind the fans of support, they now have 72,000 people coming to the Camp Nou, where that number was down a little bit at the start of the year after the the Neymar debacle. And now against Leganes, 72,000, because I think the fans and people around Barcelona, we can even ask Oenya this, that they're aware that there is something palpable about a team that could be truly special, who have now tied the unbeaten streak for Real Sociedad, who set that record from 1979 to 1980, 31 matches unbeaten. And just looking at the term Invincibles, and we actually talked about this even months and months and months ago during the summertime when we broke this down, 11 total teams have gone unbeaten from some of Europe's biggest leagues. That's even outside the quote-unquote Big Five, where Preston North End did it in the 1880s. 
Arsenal, of course, in the 2003-2004 season and, you know, how many videos and documentaries have been made about that famous season. And then Bilbao and Real Madrid did it in 1929-1930, 1931-1932 for Real Madrid. And that was also when the season was just 18 games, so they did it in a much smaller season. So Real Madrid have never done it in a full season, neither have any other team from La Liga. AC Milan did it back in the early 90s. Juventus did it recently in 2001-2002. And Perugia, another team in Italy, basically have to Google, also did it in Italy. Porto, Benfica, Celtic, Galatasaray, Shakhtar Donetsk, Dinamo Kiev from Ukraine, and no team in Germany has ever done it. So for Barcelona to do it in the Liga, in one of the hardest leagues in the world, it truly will be an accomplishment no matter how much stock we put in having to get it done. Because again, if you have to choose between treble or a history-making unbeaten season, you pick the treble, but I don't know, Frances. I, I, I tried to sleep on this, and I think it might be a little closer with how important or, or how significant and how honorable an unbeaten streak like that could be. I, I understand that. I understand that. I've been hearing that argument for, what, seven, eight weeks now. And I still, honestly, I still don't think it matters. I think it's all about winning La Liga. Um, obviously, it will make history and, you know, in 10 years' time, you'll remember. But actually, I'd rather have my team challenging from a treble and giving it the best possible goal than actually going and beating in La Liga. It's not an official trophy, it's a Liga. And that's all the reward you get at the end. So in my eyes, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, if there was one game left, then probably go for it. But I think the, the priority now has to be to rest players so that we can challenge for the Champions League in the, in the best possible way. Um, coming back to your original question about Real Madrid, I think it is remarkable to see that Zidane, by obviously admitting that he won't do the pasillo, he's in a way, admitting that Real Madrid have no chance in La Liga. And of course, you know, it's obvious they're 15 points behind and they haven't really challenged for the title for months now. And obviously all the focus is in the Champions League. But I think it's really, really telling that a team that is always sort of priding themselves of their Senorio and all the ability to always come up and compete for every title, they're actually just giving up in La Liga so easily and I, if I wasn't Real Madrid fans, which I obviously don't have any plans of ever becoming one, I would be really disappointed. And that comes back to one of the previous points we made in previous podcasts as well. It's just the fact that if Barca were that far behind in La Liga, the, the Camp Nou would probably be burned by now and Valverde would certainly not be sitting on that seat. But I think that's the difference between both clubs. But one of the points that really has to prevail is both clubs represent the fan base and the values of both clubs is, has always been winning and it really should continue to be and tradition should be respected going back to the pasillo and but then again if they don't really want to do it then fair enough let them move on and be happy with themselves but i for one think tradition should be respected regardless of whether the players want to do it or not yeah for sure i mean barcelona and real madrid are always going to hate each other but would i think the better the way i want to frame it is what if what if celta de vigo had won the league would everyone else give them an el pasillo and, it, well, not even Celta de Vigo, but let's say Celta de Vigo won the league for their first time ever. Would Depor give them an El Paseo? And, and I, I think about those other different rivalries. Would you give one to your rival no matter who it may be? If, if, if Patis won, would Sevilla give them an El Paseo? And in, even though it's Espanol and Barcelona in Barcelona, of course, the rivalry of El Clasico, the, the rivalry between Real Madrid and Barcelona, I think they, unfortunately, in this instance, are the example and I think it's it's silly and conceited and naive to think that Barcelona and Real Madrid, even though historically, yes, they're the favorites for the title, 
they're not the only ones who've won the title. As I've said, Batiste has one. We also see a dad. Bilbao, in the in the past, before there was big, big, big millions and millions and billions of dollars in the top, top clubs and Champions League winning clubs in the world, there was a time in football in the Liga when every team thought they had an opportunity at the start of the season. And I think that's the whole point of tradition, that tradition allows all the teams to believe that they all have a chance, that they that there is an opportunity for everyone to take La Liga. And that's why, regardless of who the champion is, you honor that champion. The very last point I want to make is a comparison with La Liga and European Cup competitions. So, for example, the Champions League and Europa League. Whenever that competition is played, say the final, for example, the losing team does a pasillo for the winner and the winning team does a pasillo for the, for the runners-up, for the loser sort of thing. Um, that is something that is imposed. In La Liga, that's not the case, but I think the value of tradition should prevail over whatever the managers and the players want to do because that's the other thing. If Zidane is saying, it's my decision, well, actually, it shouldn't be down to him. It should be down to the president. The same, same in Barca. If it was Valverde or Luis Enrique or even Guardiola that had said it, it shouldn't be down to them because, in a way, players and even managers, they're employees of the club and the club should be run by the chairman or in theory, that's what we should all expect. And it should be down to the chairman to make that decision. And as an institution, the institution should respect values, should respect tradition, and should, even if they don't want to, force the players to do it. Yeah, so I guess it's funny. I think on the, the point of El Paseo, at least, where we agree that Real Madrid have basically conceded the league, but on the subject of El Paseo, I think we've landed on that we believe that it should be done, but because it hasn't, I guess it's not a big deal, right? I, I think that's it, it, it's nuanced. It, it, there is no, it can be two things. You know, it can be we wish it had been done, but it's not being done. But since it's not being done, I guess we just need to get over it and move on. Is that, do you agree with that? Yeah, it, it is something that is little and it's minor, but actually, if you really think about it, you're in a way compromising the values of both clubs and tradition that goes over a hundred years. So. It's uh, it basically it's as big as you want to make it, and in my eyes, it's quite big. Yeah, I think, but as as we said, I think Barcelona were wrong to do it back in the winter time, and that's us saying that our club, I think, made a wrong decision, and then Real Madrid now returning the favor, and so my hope is that moving forward, any club and both clubs then just do the right thing and 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 make sure they keep tradition at heart. Right before we get to La Ronda, Frances, and actually welcome on Johanna, uh, you have another announcement. Yes, we've got an announcement. Basically, um, listeners of the show know that I've been quite active on Twitter in the last seven to eight months. Um, obviously, my BarcaBlog.com page now has 700,000 followers, but the Facebook algorithm change doesn't seem to like pages very much. And now whenever I post something on BarcaBlog, then it doesn't reach too many people. Um, that got me thinking as well. There is not the Barcelona podcast on Facebook at all. So... This afternoon, I've been researching, I've been looking at something that I've been thinking about for a while, and we're going to create a The Barcelona Podcast group, Facebook group. Now, this is going to be a group that will be closed, so only listeners of this pod podcast will be able to access it. We are not going to advertise it anywhere else. The only people that are going to listen to this and going to be able to access this is yourselves. So if you are listening to this, go to tvpod.link forward slash group. That's tvpod.link forward slash group and you will be able to access the secret closed group just for the Barcelona podcast listeners. Now, we are going to be very active in there. We're going to make sure we have meaningful conversations. And this is going to be something that we are going to be doing 
just because we value you and we really appreciate you being here and that's where our focus in social media is going to be from now of course i'm still going to be on twitter some sometime but the main focus is going to be the barcelona podcast facebook group at link forward slash group so looking forward to interacting with you then Sounds like a plan, Frances. And now we'll bring on Johenia once again for another edition of La Ronda. So let's get right into it. Our first question, Kule for Life asked, Against Roma, should we expect to see the same starting lineup as the first leg with Semedo at right back, Sergi Roberto in the midfield, or does Alverde, you think he's going to throw us another curveball and go with some kind of different formation here? Well, I think that with the, with the pass uh, pretty much settled, I mean, it's it's a good time to, to to try to do something spectacular, you know, to give the the fans uh, something to really cheer about. Uh, the 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 match in in Barcelona Camp Nou last week was already. They were looking for the for the result that would get them through to the second leg in a in a very comfortable position. So they started up obviously with the with the our award-winning lineup last week. And I think this could be a chance to give other players the chance to get some minutes in, but without risking anything because, you know, Champions League is Champions League and at the Roma, at, at, in the Olympic Stadium of Rome, anything could happen and we don't want to risk any any bad results or any any anything that Rome could do a turnaround or, or sort of a thing. But I think that... Some rotations are going to happen, indeed. I totally agree. I think that Valverde needs to play his strongest eleven, and obviously that varies from the one that I would pick. Um, I think the manager, and I listened to the press conference after the previous game against Leganes, and he's obviously prioritizing La Liga for some reason. He obviously wants to ensure that that unbeaten streak continues, and I think it is quite clear because of the fact that he's not really calling up any La Masia players, for example, because Jordi Alba wasn't there on the weekend and he didn't call up Cucurella or Miranda or anybody. Um, so he's not rotating as much as he needs to. So that leads me to think that in the Champions League, he's not going to rotate either. Um, whether Dembélé starts or Sergio Roberto moves to midfield, I think it's going to be the only variation or the only doubt. Um, I would say he repeats the lineup with Semedo um, as a right-back and Sergio Roberto in there because it adds more solidity to the lineup, and I think that's what he's going to do simply because I don't think he's a risk taker and he certainly hasn't been this season. And I don't think he's going to start in the Olympico de Roma. And Ashton on fire talking about that 4 4 2, do you think it's causing Suarez problems in the attack? Is shifting him to that left continuing to make him struggle in the Champions League in particular? But he did finally get a goal in the Champions League though and finally broke that snide, so it looks like he's in at least better form in the CL. But do you think that, I guess I'm even reshape this and add to it, that do you think that players can have different form in different competitions where, you know, a player is doing really well in the Liga but can't score in Champions League or vice versa? Well, I think it's a matter, it's not just a matter of the position that the player is playing, but it's also the opponent. And playing in La Liga, I mean, there are certain teams that are obviously not at the same level as Barcelona as of, and uh, instead, on in Champions League at this point in the season, you're playing teams that are in are their best in their in their leagues, are their be- the best in their in their countries, and that's what it's gotten them this far. And obvi- obviously, the shift can affect the player in a certain position because he's not used 
just to going that far left as as you mentioned. But I think that it's it's also a matter of getting be, getting adapted, and it's just easier depending on the opponent on the opponent that you have and the stadium that you're playing in and the confidence that you have. And obviously, when you play Champions League, everything is much more tense and everything is much more uncertain. So I think it's it's a mix of everything. I couldn't agree more. I think you're spot on there. I think playing in a competition that the whole world is looking at. It adds to your motivation. You know, I never was a professional player, but I played football for many years. And whenever I have a cup game, especially if I was having a rubbish season domestically in terms of La Liga, um, I always gave my all for that cup game because that's another trophy you can win far more easily. Now, obviously, in Barca's case, we're leading La Liga very comfortably and we're not that far away from uh, winning the Champions League. Obviously, there are four very difficult matches ahead, hopefully four, um, obviously, inverted commas in there. But I really do think that players, especially at Barca's caliber, you know, you've got Iniesta, you've got Suarez, you've got Messi, you've got a lot of players there, Piqué, Busquets, Jordi Alba, that have been playing at this level and with this level of, at, at this level of demand from the fans for many seasons and they really do understand and they really know how to use their bodies and how to compensate and how to rotate even though the manager's not really taking them out. Like, for example, Suarez in the weekend against Leganes, he wasn't really that good. And you could see whenever the team was pressing defensively as a unit that normally is 10, where sort of Messi walks around trying to recover so he can hit moving forward. But actually, Suarez was doing the very same thing. And Valverde in the press conference talked about it. And he said, actually, he was not happy about the way that the players had dropped their performance in the second half particularly because the result was um, already favorable at halftime, that caused the Leganes goal and the manager was pointing that out. Well, actually, I think that if he had rotated, players that don't normally feature would have tried to sort of prove their worth. And I think the manager is getting it wrong. And I really do think that there are not many matches to go. La Liga is pretty much already ours. La Copa is only one match away. But I really, really fear that he's going to burn players out that really should be having more rest. Um, how do you see it, Dan? Well, actually, that's two more of our questions. Both Charlie Barca and hello to Charlie. With Celta and Depor games coming up, will EV rest Messi and Suarez? Perfect games to play Paco Acacer and Coutinho. Then the other one from Kule Persemple, should we rest Messi for the Champions League? And the way I see it is that I think in the next upcoming games, Paco Acacer should play in one of those several few La Liga games. He's good enough to help with either Suarez or Messi, regardless of which of the two that you rest, he deserves to be up there and get at least one start. And so I think outside of Paco, the way the midfield works is going to have to do a lot with Busquets' recovery. As I said, I just think the manager's getting it wrong. You know, and I love what Valverde has done this season. You know, we are challenging for all the titles and really there isn't that long to go. But I think he's over-conservative with La Liga and he's trying to play his best players there and doing some rotation here and there but actually not taking many risks and I really don't want us to be hurting in terms of injuries because say say Piqué right he's been nursing that knee injury for what two months now and of course you know he's playing through the pain etc but say he gets properly injured in the next game then what are we doing who are we playing at the start are we having Fermalen playing in the Champions League semi-finals against say Madrid I honestly I don't want to sound too negative because we are in a very good position. But I think and I do fear that we are not doing things right. Aside from that, I want to add uh, the fact that it's it's 
it's already like a tradition and it's obviously very common and normal that at this point in the season the the physical uh, condition is not a hundred percent as earlier in the year and it's important to mention I, I think that as I mentioned in, in in past podcasts how the importance that it's being added to the fact of winning La Liga invictos without losing any matches and I think that it's getting a little bit too far right now especially because it's it's obvious that the players are not 100% physically anymore and as it's usual as, as it's usual already at this point in this season right so and there the upcoming matches both in la liga and champions league obviously after in semifinals and then looking towards the final it, it only gets harder every time but we in in la liga eh, we have not the easiest matches ahead of us in order to to win La Liga Invictos, the, the title's already almost there, but we have to consider the fact that we're playing Valencia, Celta de Vigo, which is not the easiest uh, uh, team for Barca, then Sevilla in Copa del Rey final, and then Deport and Real Madrid on the sixth of on May 6th. So there is so much like attention being put on our, or importance being put on the fact that Barca wants to win La Liga Invictos, that they're burning out the players in La Liga that should be, you know, resting for the most, the more important title at this point, which is Champions League, you know, because, yes, we're almost in semifinals, but once the team's already in semifinals, you need to have those players 120% for the next team that they're going to face. Dan, I just want to ask you that. Um, I think it was last season or the previous one, uh, the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, and I do understand this is a Barca podcast, but just, just bear with me a second. They kept challenging for the Chicago Bulls of Michael Jordan, Pippen and Rodman for the whole season. And my understanding is that they managed to beat it, but then they didn't win the ring, did they? They lost in the finals against LeBron and the Cavaliers. So was it worth it? I don't think it was. Well, I think teams, uh, particularly in, in the sport of basketball, a lot of teams will take their superstars and guys who've done it before and been in those kind of high-pressure situations, and they do rest them a lot more. So when that kind of streak is on the line, they do go for it, and then they deal with the ramifications of it. And that year, it was not winning the championship. And, you know, you and I talked about this till our tongues were tired in La Gran Pagunta about the unbeaten streak and whether or not if you had to choose between the treble and the unbeaten streak that, you know, we'd both choose the treble— and when it comes to at least the sport of basketball, you look at a team like the Warriors even this year, again, not to get in too much in the weeds of the NBA, but they're the second seed with the Rockets being the first seed for the first time in, in many years. And that comes as a byproduct of the fact that the Warriors, yes, they were a little injured, but they're a team that knows how to win a championship and they're going to turn it on when it comes time to play those big games. And I would actually compare this more closely to Real Madrid and the way they do turn it on in the Champions League, where they seem to be, you know, absent-minded in the first half of the year, that cost them La Liga, but now here's Real Madrid saying, well, we know how to win Champions League trophies, and now they're really, really taking it to another level. And for me, Barcelona is in a similar place where they have the pedigree, they know how to win those trophies, so now it's a matter of how much stock or how much weight you want to put in trying to get that unbeaten streak, and whether or not, as we've seen throughout basketball throughout the years, that could cost them. And, and that's a dire situation that, Ohenia, you also mentioned is something that they, they won't want to do. And speaking of the Champions League, though, 
Eugenio, I'll let you answer that part of that, but I just want to ask you an additional question here too. Of which teams do you want to avoid the most in the Champions League semifinals between Bayern, potentially Liverpool, and Real Madrid? Uh, tough question. I think it's. I think we already talked about this in an earlier podcast as well, but I think it would be a dream come true for every football fan to have a final between Barcelona and Real Madrid. I just don't know if we're mentally and emotionally ready for it. But I think given the fact that we already went through this situation in 2011, having you know El Clasico together with the semifinals of, of Champions League, that was the year that Barca won at Wembley with Guardiola. Uh, I think it's easier to to do us go go into a semifinal with a team that you know the best, uh, and in this case it's Real Madrid. And other than that, the only team that I would really really want to avoid out of the three is probably Bayern right now. Well, personally, all I care about is actually playing Madrid at some point. Uh, I think playing Real Madrid in the Champions League is going to be a great opportunity to show to show our worth. And, and, you know, going back to the previous question, I hope that everyone's fit and we can have the best match ever. As to whether that's in the final or the semifinals, there's different ways to look at it. I mean, if we play them in the final, that means we are in the final. So that's a great plus. And then, you know, we've got 90 minutes to match up against Madrid. We can definitely beat them. We can definitely be beaten. You know, it's 90 minutes. Real Madrid are specialists in finals. But then again, so are we. And it will be a match to remember. From a business perspective, Obviously, it will be the biggest match in football club history because there's never been a classical final before. Now, could it be in the semi-finals or would that be a choice? I would also like them in the semis because of what Eugenia just said. I mean, 180 minutes against Madrid is better than 90, in my opinion, in terms of um, chances for us to go through. Um, we have played very well in the Bernabeu recently. Um, you know, we've won 3-0, 3-4 uh, recently, and I think that a lot of people refer to the Bernabeu as Leo Messi's playground, and I would like to see that in action. I mean, last semi-final in the Champions League we had together, it was a 2-0 victory with that Afelai run on the side that enabled Messi to score the first, and then obviously Messi dribbling everybody in order to score what in my eyes is the best goal in club football history because of the importance, and um, I would like to see either one. You know, For me, the most important thing is that Barca will be in it, hopefully, and... I don't think anyone else is going to beat Madrid, by, by the way. Yeah, I agree with you guys that the team to avoid, to answer Stefano's question, is, I, as far as tactics, I think, is Bayern Munich is the team you want to avoid in the semifinal. Because, as we said, I think the path to that Champions League trophy, having won the last two, goes through the Bernabeu. And so I, I'd rather face Madrid over the two legs and, and very much coming full circle after the Super Cup at the beginning of the season, coming full circle, having to take it away from Real Madrid in that manner. And I think as far as the, the Gagan press that, that, that Klopp does at Liverpool, I think Barcelona match up a little bit better against that than Manchester City did. And so I, not that I'm not worried about Liverpool, wouldn't be worried about Liverpool, but I know that's a trip that Barcelona can take and while you know when Liverpool went on their run and won the Champions League a decade ago plus you know they were able to take it but again 
that's they would be able to take it to Barcelona at the time but we've got entirely different teams of course entirely different generations of players and systems and formations and so I think I'd want to avoid Bayern but at this point as as we said there's technically if we they beat Roma there's only three Champions League matches left so if Messi shows up and the defense is as good as it's been statistically all season then Barcelona should be able to take care of business for three games yeah just to be clear um I would say Bayern just to pick one out of the three possible opponents. But this season, not even Bayern worries me, honestly. Good, that's the spirit. Likewise. <laughs> Dan, I know we're getting to the end, but I really, really want to say this. Um, I know there hasn't been a listener question about it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, I want to highlight the great work that Dembele has been doing lately. Um, obviously, he didn't really get a start in the Champions League against Roma, which puzzled me to be honest because I thought that against Chelsea he earned that spot but obviously Valverde did think differently but I wouldn't want to end the podcast without saying that Dembele has been fantastic lately given obviously the fact that he hasn't been fit for that long um, he's given the team a lot of width he's given the team a lot of depth particularly looking for spaces and running into them he's made better decisions in the last pass I thought that he was better sort of collaborating with those around him, um, particularly, obviously, um, Semedo or Roberto, whichever one that he's been around. And defensively, and this is the key, defensively, he's been far more hardworking. He's been able to track much better. He's been sort of conscious about keeping the line of four in that 4-4-2 that Valverde has implemented. And I think he's been far more ambitious and dedicated lately. And um, I really wanted to mention that because it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, I totally agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it, we saw him playing tomorrow at the Olympic Stadium in Rome. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't think I have anything to add as we wrap up another edition of the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. When I need Forza. smell better with farm-rich mozzarella sticks in front of you. Yes, find farm-rich in the freezer aisle and enjoy. This season, all your favorites have one home for the holidays. Yours with Disney+. Plus. Merry Christmas! Moana, Woody, Buzz, Captain Marvel, Darth Vader, and Homer will all be there, so make room. Make Disney Plus your home for the holidays. Streaming Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and 30 seasons of The Simpsons. That's something to celebrate. Merry Christmas to you! All these and more now streaming. Go to DisneyPlus.com to sign up now. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.